Our word today comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians. We're in the last chapter, chapter 4, and uh, we are beginning at verse 10. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, if you want to open your Bible or your Bible app. And Paul says this, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of the phrases that I know all of us have heard, or some of us have even spoken at times, is this phrase, thanks, but no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. Now, sometimes when we say, thanks, no thanks, uh, we're doing it a little bit sarcastically. I mean, it's like uh, you're home in the evening and your spouse or your roommate says, well, I guess I'll take out the trash, unless you'd like to do it. And the other person says, oh, thanks, but no thanks. You go ahead. Sometimes when we say thanks, no thanks, we we mean it genuinely. You know, it's like when you um, stop by a friend's house and they're about to sit down and eat and they say, hey, why don't you come in and join us, eat with us, there's plenty. And you have just eaten and are stuffed. And you'll say, oh, thanks, I appreciate it, but no thanks, I, I couldn't eat another bite. We use this phrase, thanks but no thanks, to kind of say, yeah, no, I don't really want to do that. And I began to wonder how often we say to God, thanks but no thanks. How often does God say, hey, I need you to go help that person? We say, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. God says, hey, uh, I want you to, no, I don't have the time. I don't, I am not the one to do that. Thanks, God, but no thanks. You see, God's will for our lives is that we would do the things that God needs us to do in the world, that we would be the people God needs us to be in the world. God's will for our lives is that we should be thankful and open and responsive to the living God all the time. But sometimes we say, thanks, God, but yeah, no thanks. 
when we come to this letter of Paul to the Philippians, it is a letter of thanksgiving. It is a letter of gratitude. You know, you will remember, we started out 2020. This was going to be our year of gratitude. I wonder how many of you remember that 2020, our theme is gratitude, being grateful. Some of you, I see a few hands in the sanctuary, and I see some of you at home going, yeah, I remember. I have a fridge magnet. says it. We are to be grateful all the time. Gratitude, thankfulness is the will of God for our lives as human beings. And in this letter that Paul writes to the Philippians, it is from beginning to end a letter of gratitude. I mean, I I invite you during the week to go back in your devotional time and to read this letter. I mean, he begins in chapter 1, I thank my God every time I remember you. I'm always giving thanks to God. He goes on, he says, I will continue to rejoice in thanksgiving for the prayers of Jesus, to Jesus Christ and for his presence in my life. He goes on and says, I'm thankful, I rejoice in the Lord. Again and again and again, this is a letter of thanksgiving. Paul is expressing an attitude of gratitude to God and to others. But to really grasp the thankfulness that's in this letter, you have to step back and understand something about the context out of which Paul is writing. The meaning of the Bible always unlocks or deepens when we go back to what was happening in that particular text in the Bible. And in this case, Paul is writing this letter from prison. Now, we know Paul was put in prison at least three times during his ministry. We're not sure where he's writing from, probably Rome. But in any case, we do know that he is in prison. And what is he in prison for? For proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? When you proclaim that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is King, you're basically saying that Caesar is not. You're stirring up insurrection. You're inciting revolution. You're saying, follow the way of Jesus. Don't follow the way of the king and the political system and the government. It's a dangerous message to take out into the world, to truly follow Jesus Christ. And so Paul is sitting in prison for having done that. And how many of us under similar circumstances would actually start like this? I don't deserve to be in prison. I've got a bum rap. They need to let me out. This is terrible. So many of us would would start with whining and complaining about the situation that we're in. But not Paul. Paul simply begins with, I give thanks to my God, now and always. That is the kind of attitude 
that we as Christians, this is the will of God for our lives, that there would be this overflowing kind of thanksgiving and gratitude. But there's a second thing that we need to know about Paul. You will remember that Paul had been a Pharisee of the Pharisees, that he had been a man of privilege and power and wealth and respect and all of those things when uh, he was a Pharisee and before he uh, gave his life to Christ and began all his missionary journeys. Well, he would have known that the societal standards for friendship and gift-giving is gifts are given among equals. When you receive a gift in the ancient world, you're supposed to reciprocate not only at the same level, but an even greater gift. If you don't reciprocate a gift, you become indebted under the power of the person who has given a gift. And Paul has received financial support from the church at Philippi for himself and for his ministry. And that church at Philippi is a poor church. Under the societal standards for receiving that gift, Paul is now indebted to these poor people in Philippi. He could be embarrassed. He could be ashamed that he can't Give anything back. You know, you and I, I know, I don't, I'm not going to ask for names, but I know this is true. There are a lot of you at Christmas time who buy those extra gifts and wrap them up and keep them by the tree just in case someone shows up at the house and says, oh, I brought you a Christmas present, and you don't want to say, oh, oh, I didn't get you anything. You want to say, oh, wait a minute, I got something for you too. We don't like to be in that situation where we've gotten a gift and we can't give one back. But Paul is no longer following those standards of the world. He's following Christ and he rejoices and he gives thanks for the generosity and the kindness of this church and their ability to support him. Paul is grateful because Paul is living his life in Christ, that he is not distracted by the world, but he keeps the living God before him in everything he does. And out of this comes this this richness, this river of gratitude and thanksgiving. Now, when we understand This kind of thanksgiving that we see in Paul, it suggests, I think, at least three things for our own life in Christ. And the first thing that Paul knows so well is this. All of our lives are a gift from God. The bodies that we live in are a gift from God. The breath 
in our lungs is a gift from God. The ability to see and to hear is a gift from God. New babies are a gift from God. Our loved ones and our friends are a gift from God. Our community of faith is a gift from God. The food on our table is a gift from God. The roof over our head is a gift from God. Everything in this world is a gift from God. And when we can begin to live our lives in a way where we see that everything is a gift from God, oh sure, we may be going through a tough time. But there is a gift from God in life that we know there is yet a future. We have hope, we have the promises of God when we remember that all of life is a gift from God, a gift that we can never repay, we can begin to live with gratitude, to walk each day remembering this gift that is life and all that we are given. But then there's this second thing. There is a response to the gift of God, of life and breath and living and moving and being. And God gifts all of us in ways to be the body of Christ, to respond and further the kingdom of God, to be present to others in various ways. And so often, you know, we say, thanks, but no thanks, God. I mean, look at the Bible, how many times someone is called and they say, oh, you know what, God, I, Moses, I'm not the one, I don't speak very well. You probably want someone else. Rather than responding with gratitude, we, we look at all the things that we can't do or we're not good at. And so we don't respond in the way that God would have us. When I was about seven years old, that summer my parents decided I should take some swimming lessons. And I have to tell you, I have never been a good swimmer. I think it took them three weeks to convince me to put my head under the water. I wasn't having it. And then, you know, try and teach someone the crawl or the breaststroke or the backstroke or any of those things, and the person don't want to put the, their head under the water, try teaching them to dive. Uh-uh, nope, I'm not putting my head under the water. And not only that, probably being their worst student, <laughs> not having the swimming thing, on top of that, most good, really good swimmers are like tall and lanky, right? And I have never been tall and lanky, even at the age of seven. So I was just a terrible swimmer. And at the end of this summer class, there was a swim meet. And they took all of the first graders and they lined us up on one side of the pool and they said, you know, when we blow the whistle, dive in, ha <laughs> ha, and, and, and then swim across to the width of the pool. That was the race. 
Now, one thing I've never been is, is particularly a shrinking violet. You know, I'm not one who has to wait and see what everybody else is going to do. I'm, I'm always willing to kind of step out and test the water, so to speak. And so, when the whistle blew, you know, the other kids are looking at each other and looking at the whistle. The whistle blew. I jumped. I did not even wait one millimeter of a second. Now, that's not... I know, there's, seconds don't have millimeters. I didn't wait one one-hundredth of a second. I jumped and I dog-paddled as fast as I could to the other side of the pool. And by golly, <laughs> I won. The worst swimmer in the class. And I won the race at the swim meet. You see, <laughs> if you want a place in the race, you got to use the gifts you have and not worry about the ones you don't have. That's why Paul is saying, you know, don't look to the past. Press on for the goal. Use the gifts you have been given, thankfully, out of a gracious heart, and go for the prize that is laid before you in Jesus Christ. Again, you want a place in the race. Use the gifts God has given you. And don't worry about the ones you don't have. And then there is a third thing. And it is this part of this passage and this letter to the Philippians that we love so much. I know so many of you have highlighted this passage that says, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Paul says to us, you know what? I've had a lot. There are times I've had nothing. I've had power and I've been one of the weakest people you can find. I've had a lot of food on the table. I've been scrounging. Most of us know what that is like. I've been in the, the throes of love, and I've had those times when relationships are breaking. I've had times when I'm flush with money and other times when I'm not sure how I'm going to pay the bills. I've had times when I have the freedom to go anywhere I want in the world and times when I'm restricted by a pandemic. But Paul says, none of those circumstances really matter. None of those things make one bit of difference when we know the way that leads to life, that the truth and the promises of the gospel are found in the living God who has promised life in that abundantly, who has promised life eternal, who has promised that God's work is overcoming the world. There is nothing we can't face or endure with Joy and thanksgiving and gratitude when we know Jesus Christ 
as our Lord, as our Savior, as our way, as our life. Villagers, this week, I invite you to do two things. Read devotionally Philippians. Read for the gratitude that is present in that. And secondly, find a way to begin and end your day grateful for what God has given. Grateful to God for who you are. Grateful to God for Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives in a community of faith that loves us and supports us. When we learn this kind of secret that Paul has mastered so well, then we can live our lives out of this deep gratitude, which is the will of God for each and every one of us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.